0: So this Sunday, we're kind of between series. Um, Last week, we had Church in the Park, which who who came to Church in the Park last week had some good pulled pork sandwiches, yeah, 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 all that good stuff. It was also a good time just to see other people in Cheney that go to church and have a unified service where we can all just come underneath one banner of Jesus Christ And um, worship him and just have some good fellowship. And then before that, we ended our series in the book of Joshua called Victory. And so we still have, I think, more bracelets um, from that series. But that was all about the victory we have in Christ Jesus, and I think it was one of my most favorite series that we've gone through as a church. And I think the Lord's been doing a lot of cool things just within our church body, within even ourselves as a staff. Like we were challenged in many things, and so now we're kind of between series. Next week, Pastor Marks going to start a new series based in our heart as a church to see followers of Jesus be developed. So discipleship, essentially. And so this weekend. Pastor Mark's like, hey, do you want to speak? And I'm like, sure, what what should I speak on? He's like, I don't care. And I'm like, sweet, we are going to do whatever I want to do. So you guys all buckle in, because I I have no idea what I'm going to speak on. No, just joking. (laughs) We're going to essentially do like a little bit of a sermon from one of my devotions. Uh, One of the things I even think is really a part of discipleship, so kind of like a teaser into our discipleship series, is modeling and showing how to read your Bible and then really unpack and take things from God's word and apply them to your life. And so we're going to kind of go through a section of scripture um, in Romans chapter 12, something that I've been kind of reading through, hit and miss every once in a while. And a section of scripture that I feel like is very, very um, needed in our current culture and something that's just good to be reminded of pretty much every single day, but even more so just in our current culture and our cultural climate of kind of polarization where either you agree with someone or you don't, and then you're like enemies forever and ever, amen. And I think that's not God's heart <laughs> when, it, when it comes, not only to the church, but just how we interact with others. And so I'm gonna be in Romans chapter 12. We're gonna be in a section of verses in verses 9 through 21. So if you brought your Bible, you can start even thumbing and flipping um, to that section. Or if you have an iBible or the, the Bible app, you can actually start to go there as well. Well, I want to give us just a little bit of background and context into where we're going to be at in the book of Romans. And so, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. He is a real person. He was in history. It's not just some, you know, fairy tale written thing that we developed. No, this is a real letter that a real person wrote to the church, a real church in the city of Rome. And so, Rome much like our culture is very unchristian, I would say. Like their values did not line up with the values of what God has. And so Paul is writing to this audience of Christians in Rome, both Jews who have a lot of heritage when it comes to knowing about God, but also to Gentiles who are brand new, brand new. They used to be temple worshipers and a part of a different whole culture, and they're now a part of this Christian church. And so Paul is writing this letter to both of those audiences, and he gives a lot of great practical advice, but kind of the the general theme in the book of Romans is that Jesus is the only thing for salvation. Doesn't matter about your heritage, being a Jew, doesn't matter about now you're a Gentile and you're this new awesome Christian, like you need Jesus every single day. Like you need this, you need this. And so that's kind of the main theme that he writes in and throughout Romans. There's different things that have some more direct biblical um, practical advice, but that's the general theme. Now, something that I thought was very interesting that I'd never really thought about is this concept of writing letters to churches. That's how they communicated. They didn't have texting, email, all that stuff, right? You're probably like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, of course, Cooper, like, we're not idiots. (laughs) And so what was interesting is that writing letters was an expensive ordeal. So back then, usually they'd write letters about 100 words long, so they had to have you know scribes involved, get materials, things to actually write these letters, and then have you know a carrier or somebody that they knew go on horseback or camelback or donkey, whatever it might have been, and then actually go to that place to hand deliver that letter. So a lot of times, in the expense of it, they kept the Lord, the, um, the letters pretty short. What we see for Paul is his letter is seven thousand words long. That's a big long letter. There was other Roman philosophers of that time that were like big intellectuals, and they wrote long letters, but they were only a thousand words long. So Paul is very far and beyond in his value for wanting the church to receive God's knowledge. And some scholars, some theologians have kind of tried to figure out, like, how much would this have cost the church to send this this letter to to the church in Rome? It's about 2,000 bucks in our day and age. So who wants to send a letter for $2,000? Yeah, we freak out when stamps go up like one cent. We're like, oh my gosh, you gotta be joking me. Yeah, $2,000 to send this letter. So every word has weight, Every word has value. It is something that Paul really believes in because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these things. He wants that to now go to the church, which for us, this is our doctrine. This is our theology. This is what we learn and grow from. So um, as we're in chapter 12, Paul's in this section about being a living sacrifice, which is kind of like an oxymoron. How do you be alive, but then like sacrifice yourself, right? But what he's saying is, Die to yourself, die to your agenda, die to what you think is best, but be alive and and, and alive in who Jesus is and his agenda. Let his truth speak out. So die to yourself, but be alive in Christ. And so we're going to be in this section in Romans chapter 12, um, 9 through 21. And before we get into the scripture, I want us just to pray this morning. Lord God, thank you so much for your word, for your holy word, the inspired word of God, that we can take from this and apply it to our lives and grow in your knowledge, Lord, and grow in your love so that we can truly model your heart to others. So God, open our hearts and our minds this morning. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. Let it be your words, not my words. And um, Jesus, we just give you all the glory and honor. Amen. All right, so Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, says this. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying." When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Whoa. Verse 21. Verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, I mentioned earlier that we're going to kind of use a method that I just use in my personal devotions um, to read through Scripture and apply it to my life and to grow from it and all those things. There's lots of methods out there. There's like the SOAP method, which is kind of the most famous. There's one called the REAP method, and they're all acronyms to help you understand Scripture. And people have asked me, like, well, what's the best method for reading the Bible, or what's the best translation for reading the Bible? And I say the one that you're doing is the best. So whatever one you're doing, that's the best one. Like, keep doing it. There isn't, you know, there's and minuses, but if you're doing something, keep doing it. That's the best one. But what what I do is I just answer three simple questions when it comes to reading Scripture. We're going to have them up here, and it's just this. First question is, what stood out? Why is this important? And how am I going to grow from this truth? So what stood out, why is this important, and how am I going to grow from this truth? So just reading through Scripture, I try to answer these questions to allow God's truth, God's Word, to really start to just marinate, but also for me to reflect, self-reflect, and say, here's where I need to grow more in my faith. Here's what Scripture is speaking. Here's the truth. So I need to take that truth, apply it, and then grow and live from that. Now, the beauty of God's Word... And even this last section that we just read, there's a lot of good verses, and maybe some verses resonated more with you than others. That's what's so cool about God's Word, is it's a living document, it's living and breathing, and everyone takes it a little bit differently for whatever their context is. And so I'm going to pick a few verses out of this section, and quite honestly, the whole thing is gold. Like, whatever you pick out, it is, like, awesome. It's like you're just digging for gold. And you're like, oh, there's an awesome nugget. There's a nugget. Sweet, awesome. This is all good. And it is all good. I'm just going to pick out a few of the verses that the Lord spoke to me in my own devotion time. And maybe it resonates with you. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but I want to encourage you that even if you reread this section, answer those questions. Maybe there's something else that stands out to you. And, and maybe it's important for a certain reason in your context. And then for you, there's a reason why you want to grow from that truth, all right? So um, the first thing that I want to kind of do for what stood out is this thought. Don't be a fake. Don't be a fake. This is what stood out to me firstly. In the, the first verses 9 and 10, there's this kind of echoing of a theme of showing genuine affection. Um, don't pretend to love others. Like, actually, you know, show who you are in Christ to other people. What I got from that is don't be a fake, don't be a fake in who you are towards other people when you're serving them, when you're loving them, when you're, when you're being somebody who is the hands and feet of Jesus, that you don't do this with another motive in mind, but you're showing them genuine, genuine love. Now, why is this important? It's because I think we can spot a fake from a mile away, yeah? Like, <laughs> we can be like, ah, there's something this person's trying to sell me. Wait a second. And so what Paul is saying, especially to the church in Rome, there's not a lot of Christians, and actually people pretty much hate them, is he's saying, still love people with genuine love. Don't pretend just to be like, love your brother, awesome. And then you're like, I can't stand that person. Oh my gosh. No, like actually serve them, actually love them. Don't just be a fake, but actually check your heart, check your motive and say, Okay, I'm going to serve this person because Christ has loved me. God has loved me through my ugly times, through my good times, through the bad times. His love is always there. If I'm I'm an image bearer of God, I should probably show others who God is, who Jesus is, his true heart intent towards other people. And so why is that important? Again, people probably have maybe mentioned, maybe you've heard, that they think the Christian church There's a bunch of fakes, a bunch of hypocrites, and sometimes we might agree with that. It's like, you know, we haven't done a great job as the church culture, not like our church, but just the global church culture of not loving people like Christ has loved the church. Christ has first loved us. And so what Paul is saying is, don't be a fake. Truly, truly love others, it's not just for a check mark of like, okay, I showed sure love this person, I served them. All right, check mark, awesome. I'm gonna get a little jewel in my crown. Sweet, next person, who's up? Okay, I'm gonna love you. Okay, sweet. No, it's not a check mark Christianity. It's a genuine love because again, God is first showing us His love. So that's why it's important. Now, how are we gonna grow from this? How am I gonna grow from this? I felt like the Lord spoke to me was, I gotta check my heart i got to check my intentions. If I know that God loves me and I receive that fully, I should probably model that to others to, again, model the true heart of who Jesus is, the true heart of who God is. Now, I don't want to open up a can of worms, but sometimes genuine love means bringing a brother or a sister back in line to what is good, to what is right. In that same context, Paul mentions that. He's like, hey, hold to what is good, hold to what is right, hate what is wrong. There's also this echoing of in the right heart intent, out of humility, we are called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to bring them back into what is good, to what is right, and that's genuine love. That's genuine affection towards them. Again, it comes from a heart of goodness and a heart of of intent that wants God's best for them. uh, A a quote from Billy Graham that maybe you have heard once or twice. So Billy Graham is the famous evangelist um, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even like in the 2000s. Like he's been in it to win it forever. There's been hundreds of thousands of people who have come to know who Jesus is through his ministries. He has this quote that says this, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. God is the judge of the heart. We as people, our job is to love them. That was one of his values that he would say a lot of times. And I think Paul is echoing that. And I think Billy Graham is taking the truth of what Paul is saying and saying that in his own words. Of our job is to love people. The Holy Spirit will convict them. And God's the judge of the heart in that. And I think what we see is is Paul is making this very clear for the Christian church. Is don't just be a fake Don't just try to love people to get a check mark. Actually love them, serve them. Be a person with the right heart intent. And so again, how are we gonna grow from this? It's about checking who you are as a person and really saying, man, are my intents for my own personal gain? Or am I just doing this because this is what God wants for this person? Because I've experienced the love of Christ and I want that to overflow in my heart for them as well. Well, moving on. Something else that stood out in this section for me, it's kind of in verses 13 through 21. There's a large kind of laundry list of kind of one-liners that that Paul writes. But essentially, I feel it's this, it's live in peace and let God handle the situation. Live in peace, let God handle the situation. Now again, why is this important? Why is this important? Well, we're in a post-Christian context in America. Our values are not the values of our culture. I know that God knows that, understands that, and again, Paul understands that. Right into the Roman church, he was in that same type of context. This is nothing new for the Christian church. So what does Paul say to do to the Christian church living in a context like that? He says, get on every social media platform and just blast every person about how wrong they are, how they're going to hell, and how they need to turn or burn, all this stuff, and just just really hit them hard, like get after them. No, he does not say that at all. It's actually quite the opposite. And he's echoing a truth that he writes earlier in chapter two of this same letter, that says it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And so what he's saying now in this section is don't persecute them. Like, don't go after them. Actually try to seek out peace wherever you're living. Like, seek peace. Don't seek like, well, I'm right. You're wrong. You better understand that. Like, I'm going I'm to come after you, man. No, he's not saying that at all. Live in peace. Pray that God will bless those who persecute you. That's hard truth right there. Pray for the person who like doesn't like you or agrees with you. Yeah, that's what Paul's saying right here. Do things that people will see that you are honorable. Never take revenge. Now, why is this important? Why is this important for us in today's time and age? Well, we're put in positions to either show kindness or to show the opposite. Whether it's in our family, whether it's at school, with our friends, at work, whatever it is. We're put in situations time and time again that either we can show kindness to a person who doesn't have the same values as you, or you can be like, you're an idiot, like whatever. Like you voted for that person? Oh my gosh, like get away from me. I can't even talk to you. No, that's not not what Paul's saying. He's saying actually pray for that person. Pray for them. And we have to also understand that God is in control. He is the author of salvation. It's not us. We're the vessels that carry that message forward. But God, through the Holy Spirit, is the one who seals the deal. He's the one that is involved in that. Now, do we back down from the truth that we know? I would say no. Like you said, hold true to what is right. If you have that value set, Hang that value set. That doesn't mean that you take your value set and you just drop kick a person and say like, yeah. No, you always seek peace, but you hold true to what is right and you seek peace with those people and you show them again by your actions, the kindness of God. Because like he says in chapter two, the kindness of God is what leads to repentance. And that's the heart that Paul is trying to tell the church in Rome Living in a post-Christian context, and I feel like for us that we can take as well is we show kindness to others. We pray for them. We don't come after them. We let God handle the situation. So how am I going to grow from this? This is something that I just felt the Lord gave me in my own devotion time. Maybe you agree with it. Maybe you don't. But it's this, is wait, pray, love, serve. Even if I know I am right and they are wrong even when you know like deep down inside, like they are so off the mark, they are so vocal about it, is that we as Christians can wait to respond. Paul calls us to pray for that person, to still love them with genuine love and to serve them without hesitation. In that section of scripture, it said, give them food, give them water. Like just do this, do this. We don't try to serve them with some other ulterior motive at all. We serve them without hesitation. So wait to respond, pray for that person, love them with genuine affection and serve them without hesitation. See, God's gonna have the justice. He he has the situation in his hands. We want immediate justice, which can be good, but a lot of times can be bad. But God has ultimate justice, which is perfect. We seek out the immediate but God has the ultimate justice for what's happening in all of our life situations. So our, our, our response is to seek peace with those people and know that God is handling the situation. It might not be on our timetable. There's countless stories I know in this room, but also through the word of God, that will give that truth out. But What we know is that God has the situation in hand and he gets justice and that is the ultimate justice. So if we're all about helping people to know Jesus and to live for him daily, we got to model this in our life both privately and publicly. This is not just something that we, oh, that was a good thing and that's encouraging and that's a challenge and I'm just going to hold that deep down inside. No, we have to live this out. We have to take these truths and live them out in our daily lives. So a challenge that I'm gonna start this week is just to read Romans chapter 12 every day, just either in the morning, um, whenever, whenever there's like about a five-minute chunk of the day, just to pull out my phone and read Romans chapter 12. Because so I believe that these reminders that Paul is saying are just so core to living a life that'll help us be great witnesses for who Jesus is to our context, to our culture. And I really believe Paul, writing to the Roman church, and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knew about just the life cycle of the church in America, even, that we'd be at the point where we're at, as it even progresses further and further away from the values of who Jesus is, is that we need to take the truths that are written here and live that out, to be reminded of the basic truths of being a living sacrifice to God, truly modeling to others the genuine love of God and the kindness of God, that leads to repentance. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that we can gather here, take your word, learn from it, grow from it, and apply it to our lives. God, your, your, your word is timeless. It is truthful in every present need, in every situation. So God, I'm just, again, praying from my heart as I've read through this scripture, And you've shown me things to grow in, Lord, that I would be reminded of those truths. And I pray that for the rest of us in this room, that we would be challenged but yet encouraged by your truth written through Paul that we can apply to our context, Lord. God, thank you that we're not in this alone, that we have your Holy Spirit to empower us, to show that kindness to people When deep down inside, we do not want to show them the kindness because we are so angry. But God, you give us your Holy Spirit to empower us to love them, truly love them like you would love them, Jesus. So God, remind us to every day call upon that power, to call upon your Holy Spirit to empower us, to be bold witnesses for who you are, Lord, and not a bold witness in the way of just, throwing things down people's throats and leaving the room, but being a witness, like it says in chapter two of Romans, of kindness that leads to repentance. Because Holy Spirit, you are the one that comes into people's lives and again reveals that truth to their spirit, Lord, where they can have a moment to say yes to you. So God, we just pray for that and help us be those vessels that carry that message forward, Lord. Jesus, again, we honor you. We just take your precious word and apply it to our lives, Lord, and and we wanna grow and learn from this truth. And so Jesus, we give you this day. We praise your name, amen, amen. It was a short one this morning, right? (laughs) You're like, yeah, sweet. Um, Well, I wanna just say one quick reminder for us. So next week, we are back to our three service times. So we're just adding back to our um, time, 8 a.m. So we have 8 a.m. People are excited for 8 a.m. Wow. Lord, grant me your enthusiasm for the morning. (laughs) I need it. Um, So we have 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. All right. So we're back to 8 a.m. service. So when Seahawks are playing Sunday morning, come to 8 a.m. We'll be alive and cracking and stuff. So all right. Well, thanks for coming. And Mark already said it, "Jesus loves you, and so do him and Kate." So <laughs> all right, see you guys.